0: All right, so last week, what did we talk about? Nineveh. Nineveh, right? We talked about Jonah. You guys with me? I know we got GM camp on the mind now, and we're excited. So Jonah, Jonah, Jonah was a prophet, right? Jonah loved the Lord, but he actually ran away from his calling. He ran away from the Lord. He ran away from Nineveh. God called him to Nineveh, and he ran away right he ran to the places that were easier for him that was more comfortable for him he didn't want to go bottom line he did not want to go right and i think we can relate a lot to jonah and there's things that we're called to and places that we're called to that we just don't want to go and we'd rather valdez for sure and we'd rather just be comfortable we'd rather do something that's easier Right? But a lot of times, God takes us through those difficult situations and makes them great. Right? And so when he eventually went to Nineveh, 120,000 people plus got saved because he was finally obedient. And even in his disobedience, God still redeemed it and used him to lead other people to himself. So the title of that message last week was Run Towards Nineveh. Run towards Nineveh, that we run towards the things of God and we don't run away from them, right? We run towards our calling, towards the purposes that he has planned for us, and not run away from them. And God has rewards and he has blessings for you, and when you run to Nineveh, 120,000 people get saved. Praise Jesus. That kind of thing happens when we start to pursue God and continue to pursue after him over what we want to do, what we naturally want to do, right? Right? So I want to keep this same kind of concept, same kind of idea, but we're going to go to a different story. This is the story of Joseph. Anybody know Joseph personally? Met him yesterday? Dang, looking pretty old. (laughs) Like thousands of years old. Old man. So story of Joseph. Joseph is in Genesis 37 to 43. Again, we're not going to just stay there and and read through the whole thing because six chapters would take me like a lifetime. Yeah, we'd be here a while. A couple nights probably. But I'm going to summarize. So Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of... No. Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. There we go. Did I say it backwards? Oh, yeah. I'm going back. Back in time. Come on, you gotta follow me. You gotta go with me. You gotta be with me. Alright, so we're talking about Joseph. Son of? Yes! Abraham! Son of? Son of a Jacob. Just saying. Son of Jacob, right? He had 11 brothers. So he had a lot of brothers. But he was the favorite. He was by far the favorite, not just, you know, you just think, oh, this guy's obviously the favorite. No, this guy really, like, his father loved him more. He was pretty open about it. He gave him this great, nice robe that he didn't give to the other brothers, right? He set this, uh, this standard, basically, for the, this younger brother, and he said, he is the best. And everybody knew it. He knew, they knew he was loved the most. And so in that, they loved him so much. No, they hated him. They hated their brother because he was loved more than each one of them. So he gets this awesome robe, and they're like so mad at him. They just want to kill him, literally. They want to kill him because they hate him so much. And then one day, he gets this awesome dream. And he decides to tell them about this dream. And in this dream, all the brothers are bowing down before him. So let's, let's try and keep up, keep up here. They already hate him, right? They don't like him at all. And then he says, hey, guys, I had this dream that you were on your knees bowing before me. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great dream? It was so cool. I didn't want to wake up. No, they hated him even more. And then he comes back with another dream. Oh, and mom and dad, they were worshiping me too. They were bowing before me too. So they hate this guy and they start plotting. They being the brothers, right? They start plotting. How are we going to get rid of this dude? No more Joseph, right? And so they decide they want to kill him. But a couple brothers are like, I'm going to trip over you. A couple brothers are like, let's not kill him. That's a little dramatic. Let's just sell him as a slave. That's less dramatic. Right? Let's just make him a slave and then tell mom and dad that he's dead. That'll be a great idea. So they do that. They send him. They sell him to these Ishmaelites that are going to Egypt, and then they sell him to the Egyptians. And so he's an Egyptian slave. Right? But in this, as being a slave, Joseph, he was probably a little bit upset about his brothers, right? Right? Would you be upset if your brother sold you? Think about it. Just take you door to door and it's like, hey, anybody want to take this kid? Just take him. We'll pretend like he doesn't exist anymore. We'll tell his parents that he's dead. Just take him. Take him away. I don't care what you do with him. Treat him like a slave. He's a good worker. He's got a cool robe. Actually, he didn't. They took it from him. He's like 17 years old. He's a hard worker. Take him. Right, And so he's probably a little bit upset, a little bit bitter, but he continues to seek after the Lord. He continues to trust God that he had this amazing dream and he didn't know how it was going to happen. But he continued to pursue God in all this. So it says he goes to Egypt, Egypt as a slave and he's the best freaking slave there is. He's the top dog slave. He's the best one. The best slave, the hardest worker. Everything he touches just multiplies. Everything he puts his hand to, every hard work that he does, every deed, it just gets better and better. Right? Every cow he milks probably produces more milk than all the other ones. Every little crop that he waters grows bigger than everybody else's. I mean, it's it's something that's pretty stinking noticeable. He's above everybody else. You ever know that kid? Like, know that person, that guy that just, like, picks up a hockey stick, never played hockey in his life, and is just way better than all of you. Know that person? Right, somebody that's just, like, super, all of you guys are like oh me. You know that person that's super humble? You guys, good job. That's you right, that's just better. That's just everything they do is better than you. I had this friend growing up that he was better than me at everything. And then the things that I started to become better at, He'd beat me up, so then he was better at me again. (laughs) It's actually true. (laughs) Right? There's those people that just seem naturally smart. There's these kids in high school that I would, well, let's be honest. I didn't try real hard, but I would study way more than them. And these kids would just not study at all, but they get straight A's. So they're just like sponges. They just soak up everything that the teacher says. They just soak it up, and they're just amazing. Mariah's like that. It just drives me nuts. Like, you got to be kidding me. She memorizes, like, everything. Today, I was trying to find this scripture. For, like, 10, 15 minutes, I'm searching through all my concordances. I'm searching... On my Logos program, I have this nice Bible program. I still can't find it. I text her, what is this scripture that I'm thinking of? And I tell her like a couple words in it. And she writes me back in like 30 seconds. Colossians 3.23. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Right, right away, just like super smart. I'm like, how do you do that? It's amazing. Right? Some people are just like that. Well, this guy, everything he touched prospered. Everything He watered grew bigger than everybody else's right and so they started to see this and potiphar the guy who's over like Basically everything he's under pharaoh, but he's one of pharaoh's captains So he's over a great deal of land and he starts to see what joseph is doing. He's seeing him as this hard worker Now remember he's a slave but he's working his hardest to be the best slave, to do everything that he's doing in excellence. And God is giving him favor because he's enjoying the moment. He's embracing that process. He's embracing the process of being a slave. But he does it in greatness. And God rewards him for it. And so after a short time, he puts him over the entire area right under Potiphar. Potiphar puts him over everything because he sees this guy, everything he touches is better. So I better put him over everything. Right? And so everything he's doing is growing and succeeding and doing well until Potiphar's wife comes around. Jezebel. Right? She comes out, starts strutting her stuff. I don't know how no, the girl struts herself. Just like that. Right? Tries to seduce Joseph. But Joseph, being a good man, runs. He turned and ran. He tried to run from the situation. But before he could run, she grabbed his coat or his robe. He's probably running nudie out of there. Grabs the coat and then makes this story to Potiphar and says that this man, Joseph, tried to come on to me. And I screamed and grabbed his robe and he ran off. And so he threw him in jail. Now, all of this work, everything he'd worked hard for, even being in a terrible situation, he worked really hard, and he grew up to be the top again. So when he was at his home, he was up at the top because his dad showed him a lot of favor and loved him more than everybody else. And they sold him, and he went to the bottom. And then he works his way back up to the top, number two guy. But then somebody destroys it again, and then he goes to jail. And he's in jail for years. It says at least a couple years he's in jail. Right? But in jail, he's the best prisoner in jail. He's above all prisoners. He starts probably loving on people, caring for others, doing work in prison. It says he's the best prisoner. And so they put the warden, right, the prison warden, puts him over everybody else, over all the other prisoners, puts him over everybody but himself, right? Finds favor again. In the little, seemingly meaningless tasks, Joseph still does everything and works hard as working for the Lord. That was the scripture that I tried to ask Mariah to find that she found in a minute. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ, everything you do, whether it seems meaningless, whether it seems just like homework, right? Chores at home, the day-to-day things, right? I think we get fixated on the big picture items, the things we want to become someday in the future, the big plans, the big dreams. But God wants us to be excellent in the day-to-day things, in the process, in the things that seem meaningless. He's in prison, locked up. And he's still serving. He's still being a blessing. He's still prospering in jail. right? So he becomes that top person in jail. And he starts interpreting people's dreams. Well, one of the guys that he interpreted his dream ends up getting out of prison. And he goes into the house of Pharaoh. Now, a couple of years later, Pharaoh has a couple of dreams. And he's trying to get people to interpret it. and Nobody can interpret it. So this guy that was in jail... Tells him about Joseph. He pulls Joseph out. He tells him his dreams. And Joseph says, Well, I can't interpret them, but the Lord can. And this is what the Lord says. And he says, You are going to have, or this whole country and the countries around, the cities around, is going to have a major fa- famine. Major famine. I said fathom. A major famine. Right? Meaning there's not going to be any water. It's going to be a big drought. Everything basically will die. All your crops will die. All your animals will die. He says, in seven years, this is going to happen. So for the next seven years, you have to prepare because for seven years, there will be a famine. So in seven years, there will be a famine for seven years. Following me? That makes sense? Seven, seven. Number of completion, right? So for seven years. So you have to plan for seven years of drought. And so he takes him. He tells him about this. And then, and then Pharaoh believes him. He believes this, and he says, okay, you're going to be the one that's going to be over my entire kingdom, over everything. You're going to be in charge of making sure we have all the food and everything we need for that seven years. For the, so for the next seven years, he was in charge of everything but Pharaoh, right? He was right under Pharaoh again, works his way to the top because, not because he was trying to, because he was obedient in the little things because he was faithful in the mundane tasks when he was in prison as he was a slave a slave shoot girl right as a slave he still embraces that process knowing that he's doing what he's doing he's doing for the lord no matter what task it is it's for the lord and it's going to be in excellence and so he becomes number 2 to pharaoh put up like four fingers number two to pharaoh yeah, it has been too long tried to get out right and so in that time he's preparing and he's preparing so seven years later people from other countries and cities start coming around and they start asking for food because egypt had been ready and had been prepared so guess who comes running up and gets on their knees and bows before who they think is the prince The brothers, right? The brothers come and they bow down before Joseph because Joseph is the one passing out food and over this whole kingdom and this whole area. And so the dream and the vision ends up coming true and probably not the way that Joseph had imagined it. Probably not the way he would have planned it if he did it on his own. But God used him even when he was going through the hard, difficult times. Even though he was in jail, he was a slave, he continued to serve the Lord. He continued to be faithful. And God blessed him and fulfilled that passion and that dream that he gave him. Right? And they reconciled and they gave him food. He didn't like beat them and throw them in jail. He loved them anyways. He cared for them. And that dream had ended up coming true because he was faithful in the process. He was faithful in the process. It was a long process, and he was faithful in it. See, God gives us dreams, and he gives us abilities, and he gives us visions for our lives. But it's not just this one-day dream come true. It just happens. It just appears one day. There we go. It's not that he just saw this vision, and he chased after it, and he tried to make it happen. Everything was trying to stop him from that dream coming true. Their brothers hated that dream. So they tried to crush that dream and not make it come true. But God was faithful because he continued to search after him in the process. And see, our lives as Christians is all about the process. It's not about just the goal. It's not about just the end result. But we keep our mind on that vision or that end result and that eternity with God. And we embrace the moments, the day-to-day. It's about our relationship with Jesus right now. And see, Joseph continued to keep his eyes on the Lord. He continued to keep his eyes focused no matter what situation he was in, no matter if he was doing really well or he was doing really terribly. He sought after the Lord. And God is calling us to pursue him in the process. The title of my message is Hold the Vision and Trust the Process. We need to trust the process. We need to trust that God is using us in the day-to-day. When it seems like it's mundane, when it seems like it's not really producing anything, we gotta trust God that as we're faithful with the little things, as you're faithful to do your homework, right? As you're faithful to care for people around you, as you're faithful to be an example in your school, as you're faithful to be an example to your family and love your family and embrace them and care for them, as we do the little things in the day-by-day, day, God is the one who completes that vision. God's the one who has the vision for our life, and he's the one who's actually going to complete it. Right? The Bible says in Proverbs sixteen nine that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Right? We have the plans for our life. We have the plans of what we think we're called to do or what we think would be best for us, but he's the one that actually directs us and determines those steps and leads us. See, Joseph wouldn't have decided that he was going to go to prison and be a slave. But it built character inside of him. He learned to serve when he was the lowest. He learned to be an example when he was the lowest. And God used that to bring him up to that top, to that top position, because he was faithful in the process. We are called to be faithful in the process. We're called to The process, because the process is all about our relationship with the Lord. As we seek after him, right, as we seek after him in the day-to-day, not just the weekly, not just at GM, not just on Sundays, but as we seek after him, day by day he starts to grow us. He starts to make us like him, and it's about that relationship with him. It's about the process. When we look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is all about people of faith. Right. It talks about several different people that had faith in the Lord because they believed God for something specific in their life and continued to seek after Him even when it didn't seem like it was happening. Right. Abraham is mentioned. Right. When it seems like he, it's not going to be possible for him to have a son, but God keeps telling him he's going to have a son. He's faithful and he keeps waiting and he's patient. Right. And so it talks about these people, how they had faith in God, and how they trusted Him for Him. And then we run into 11, verse 13. Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive all that was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country... That they came from they would have turned back, but they were looking for a better place a heavenly place That is why god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared a city for them They kept their eyes focused on the lord It wasn't about what was happening in that moment because what was happening in the moment usually Wasn't exactly what they felt like the lord was promising them It was taking a long time. And it says the promise wasn't even fully fulfilled while they were still alive. But it wasn't about the promise. It was about Jesus. It was about spending time with him. It was about them keeping their eyes focused on him in the little things, in the little details of life. Rather than jumping from big event to big event, we're called to the little details, the little things of our lives, the process of our life to be secure in him to be founded in him to be running to him in that process. Then verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God has something better in mind for us so that they would reach they would not reach perfection without us. Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, so this is right afterwards, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before this, before us. Key part right here. We do this by, I love how it's just so blatant. It's so obvious. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Right? When we focus just on our situations around us, it starts to pull us away from the Lord because we're so focused on what's not happening. Right? If he was focused just on the fact that he was in prison, probably would have pouted, would have been upset, would have been frustrated, right? Probably would have given up. But he didn't look at the prison. He looked up to God. And he believed God could take him through this prison. He believed that God could take him through being a slave. He believed that God was bigger than the situation around him. And he embraced the process and did great and did excellent things in the process, the little things. And when we look at our life, it's all built on little things that we do, the day-to-day things. You don't just have these amazing events happen all the time or just go from big, amazing event to big, amazing event and just do nothing in between, right? We're called to the little details of applying that now. If we want to do anything great, it's about how you do that day by day, right? Every single day, day by day by day by day by day. Right? He didn't become weary when he was in a difficult situation. He kept his eyes on Jesus. He kept his eyes up on God and we're called to the same thing. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus and enjoy the process. The process is not always the most enjoyable thing. But if we fix our eyes on him and we continue to do excellence in the little things, God blesses us in the end. And our reward is so much greater when we focus on him. Because he's going to be the one to fulfill that vision. He's going to be the one to fulfill the plan of your life. And if we fix our eyes on him, he's going to do that. Joseph didn't reach his vision overnight. He didn't just dream the dream and make it happen right it was years and years and years of up and down living right of slavery of going to the top of being thrown back down into prison going up to the top right it was up and down but he continued to pursue god because it was all about the process we are called as christians as believers as people to enjoy that process to enjoy the process of living for him to embrace what you're doing today there's a there's a christian author i like a lot his name's john maxwell writes a lot of like leadership books he was a pastor for many years and a really good writer and and just a great leader all around right so he has this book called the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership good book if you like reading about leadership read it but not right now. So he has this law. One of the 21 laws is the law of the process. Here you go. Nailed it. Good job. It's the law of the process. And in that, he says this. One of his quotes in here, becoming a leader is a lot like investing successfully in the stock market. Stock market. If your hope is to make a fortune in a day, you're not going to be successful. Oh, bummer. Right? We all want to be rich overnight, but you're not going to be successful doing that. What matters the most is what you do day by day over the long haul. Leadership is built daily, not in a day. Right? Same thing with our spiritual growth. It's built not in a day, but daily. Right? Our, our understanding of the word of God isn't built in one day. You don't just sleep on your Bible and wake up knowing it. Too bad. That'd be cool. Right? But I think in our society, we're used to getting everything quickly. You want a burger? You go to McDonald's. They're done in like a second before you can even say what you want. It's like already there. that has got to be bad. Right? We're so used to getting everything. If we have a question, we just Google it. Quick. No, it's awesome. But we're used to having everything quickly. And in life and in spiritual life, it's not just this quick ticket. It's not that you just run to this event and you become a Christian, right? You just become this awesome person. It's not that you come to a GM camp and you get saved and you become Jesus. That would be awesome, but it doesn't happen that way, right? It's not that you get saved and you're perfect and you don't have any issues in your life and you're never tempted again. Right even Jesus was tempted. It doesn't just go away. It's a process of continuing to give that to the Lord. Just like anything in our life it takes a process. It takes you investing time into it. Growing in our relationship with the Lord is a process. It's coming to know him every day. Right? If we want to see that vision And that destiny that God's laid out for us, it doesn't come just in one big event that we fly to this place and then we become that thing, right? It's a process of you investing your life now, of reading your word, of coming to know Jesus, right? Of leading other people, of discipling others, of investing your life into other people and investing someone else's life into you, right? Getting mentor, getting people to speak into your life that care about you, that want to see you grow. John Maxwell, this guy in in his story, he says, he goes in and uh, when he was younger, he wanted to receive the best wisdom from the wisest people. So he looked up like the 10 best people in this position and he calls them up and he says, hey, if I meet you for coffee somewhere for a half an hour, can I pay you $100 and you'll just tell me whatever nugget of wisdom that you have? So a bunch of people took him up and he would plan his family trips to that place. So if there was somebody in Chicago that was that great, he would take his whole family to Chicago just for that one 30-minute meeting so he could grow himself, he could ask questions and he have somebody pour into his life. Right? It's about the little things that we do to invest in who we are that really grows us and makes us who we are. You don't become an amazing communicator in one day. You don't become an amazing worship leader in one day, right? We talked about this last week with Cecilia. You don't just become Cecilia overnight. It's true. Josie can testify to that. Right? It doesn't happen just overnight. It takes practice. It takes investment. It takes every day trading your time, trading your life. It's not like she just went somewhere and became great. She did go to an awesome school and it probably grew her a lot. But she put in a ton of time before that and after that to continue to grow in the same way in our life. We need to embrace that process. Not just embrace it, but enjoy it. Right? And enjoy the process of living for him. Not just to keep our eyes focused on that vision, but to embrace the day-to-day things. So what are we going to do daily to pursue the Lord? What are we doing daily that we're growing? What are we doing daily? If you feel God has called you and led you to do something, to be something, which he has, what are you doing daily to pursue that? What are we going after? What is that process? And are you embracing that process or are you trying to run from that process? Are you embracing the day-to-day things or do you just try and run to the biggest event that will make you better? Right, You don't just become an excellent basketball player by going to a couple of camps. They probably make you better. But if you don't dribble every single day and shoot the ball every day, you're not going to be better. You can go to the best camp in the world. It's not going to teach you much. It becomes a process. Larry Bird. Does anybody know who Larry Bird is? Are you too young for this? Hey, a couple people. Larry Bird would shoot. He was a basketball player. old basketball player, right? He would shoot 500 free throws every single day before school, before practice, before doing anything, 500 free throws. That seems like an eternity, but he was consistent. Every single day, he'd shoot that many free throws, and he was a great shooter because of it, because he invested the time. He took the time. I'm running out of time here. Anybody know who Michael Phelps is? Probably the best athlete in the world. The best swimmer ever, right? Has the most records, has 22 medals, Olympic medals. He has 71 total medals in all the major world events that he did. 71. That's ridiculous. It's so much better than everybody else, really. He broke all kinds of records, set all kinds of new ones, right? And, and, and I think it was three Olympics, he had 22, 22 medals. He's still pretty young. I think he's like my age. Probably keep going. But this guy would work out every single day. He'd be in the water five or six hours. It says he would swim about 50 miles a week. That's so many miles of swimming. I would drown after the first like 10 feet. That's like, that's about eight miles a day swimming. Just swimming in the water, doing all different kinds of strokes. Right and 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 they say some interviews about him that most people do one or two strokes. This guy did all of them, and he was like the best at all of them. He was crazy. He was ridiculous. But he put in the time. He was cray cray. But he put in the miles. He also had this really strict diet of twelve thousand calories a day. I'd read it all, but we're running out of time. He didn't become an Olympic athlete, Olympic champion overnight. He did it because he endured and he embraced and he enjoyed the process, the challenge. God is calling us to enjoy the process. The process in your life of growing to know him. Growing closer to that vision of your life. To enjoy the day-to-day things and to start thinking about the day-to-day. What are we doing today to invest our life? 2 Corinthians 4.16 That is why we never Give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now soon will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Joseph kept his eyes focused on the Lord, who he could not see. But he knew that God had that process planned out. He had that plan planned out. And he continued to be faithful in the little things in the day-to-day. And God used him to do mighty things. Because he was faithful. Not because he was faithful once. But he continued to pursue God. We are called to continue to search after him. God's given you all a vision. A plan for your lives. But it's not going to happen if we don't embrace that process. Embrace the day-to-day things and continue to fix your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on him today, right now. If you want to grow as a leader, if you want to grow just as a person, you want to grow in your character, you want to grow in your understanding of the word, you want to grow in your understanding of the Lord, start investing right now. Invest time right now into who you are. Invest right now into people around you and start asking somebody to invest into you. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's pray. Hold the vision God has given you and trust in the process. It doesn't come in a day. It comes daily. God, we thank you so much that you are with us in the day-to-day things and the details and the little things. God, you're still with us. And God, I thank you that you're in control of everything in our lives. And God, you are planning those day-to-day things to make something phenomenal, to make something great. God, I thank you. You've given each one of us a vision and a hope and a dream. it's no, just a vision and the, the hope of eternity with you. God, we set our minds on that. Lord, that you've given us a new place, a new creation, a new place in heaven that we all can be and we can be perfect together. Lord, we fix our eyes on you and what you've done. And God, what you're continuing to do, Lord, we know you have that hope and that vision. God, we trust your plan. We trust the process. And we ask, God, tonight we would be more aware of the little things that you're doing and the little things we can be doing to be trading our life for you and for people. God, we love you. We embrace that process, and we trust you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll be blessed tonight, and then get out of here. Just kidding.